Did you see it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone had to stand in the gap. <laughs> and, it was, and it was you. But um, from that and, and a couple of other things that are happening newsworthy-wise, we are in trouble as a world. These are some trouble, trouble, trouble times. Now, I know that if I went around the room individually, that we can each individually speak of the trouble time we're having in our own little world. But on a worldwide view, on this planet, we are in a time of great turmoil and great troubles. I thank God that he let us know in Matthew that there was such a time coming, that he, as he was sharing, Paul was sharing with Timothy, he let him know there was a time coming where it was going to be trouble in the world. Amen? And I want to take you to a time where the disciples were encountering a time of trouble in their lives. They had come from all various different walks of life before they met Jesus. Maybe for some of them, life was good, and for others, life was not so good. But for the past three and a half years, that had, they had had a time to spend with the incarnate God on earth. They had seen countless, countless miracles, healings, deliverances. He walked on water in front of them. He calmed storms in front of them. He fed 5,000 and 4,000 folks in front of them, and he even raised the dead a couple of times just to put the icing on the cake. They have spent these past years listening to some of the greatest teachings ever taught in eternity. To this day, the teachings are still rolling on from the words that he spoke. Amen? They expected that Jesus would literally um, overthrow the Roman government that was ruling over them at the time and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, the holy place. And they were excited because Jesus had now gained popularity and they were on the inside of the movement. They knew they was going to have their spot in the rulership, right? Amen? <laughs> uh, they, they, they had reason to expect, they had no reason to expect that in the very near future, all hell was about to actually break loose. They had no idea the crisis they were about to be put through, that their Jesus would be arrested, that he would be beaten, that he would be tried, and he would be crucified. But Jesus knew what was about to take place, and he wanted to prepare them for what was ahead, just as he has done for us today. So he explained to them what was about to happen. Previously, he had made references to his death. He had spoken about it like similes and metaphors. But in a way, now he wanted to let them know what was going to happen in a way they would definitely understand it. Now, he wanted them to really understand this conversation that Jesus had with them prepared them to accept the challenges and the uncertainties that were about to come upon them. Now, none of us, uh, let me just speak for myself, I don't like unexpected challenges. I can face a challenge, but I need some time to prepare for it a little, something, something. It's like all of a sudden, Pastor Paul just right now challenged me to a game of handball. I'd be like, 
tomorrow, please give me some time to loosen up the leg a little bit and get, get some Advils and I'll meet you on the court, right? <laughs> I need some preparation <laughs> for the challenges. And, 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 and when you know a challenge is coming, though, you can't help but have a little bit of trepidation. I don't care how much faith you have. You're going to have a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of worry, a certain level. But however, by examining Jesus's discourse with his disciples in the area of text I'm going to take to you, I want to tell you that we can learn to go through these troublesome times and the times ahead with what I want to call powerful peace. That's going to be my topic. I'm going to talk to you about powerful peace from the book of John chapter 14, if you would turn there. And I'm going to use verses 1 to 6 as the foundation for the word God gave me. Is that okay? Amen. When you get there, say that. I'm there. All righty then. James chapter 14. Chapter 14. I'm sorry. John chapter 14. If you found James chapter 14, come see me. Because <laughs> we're going to have to remove that spirit <laughs> of deception. <laughs> Amen. And it reads like this from the uh, New King James Version, 14, 1 through 6. Let not, Jesus speaking, saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Jesus, knowing the future which lay before his disciples, gave them encouragement to get them through. And the first thing he says to them is, let not your heart be troubled. You trust in God. Now trust in me. Now, how many of you trust in Jesus? How many of you trust in God? Because, see, the prerequisite for them to trust in Jesus was that they first had a trust in God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that was revealed to them through their coming out of Egypt and their crossing of the Red Sea and their overthrow of Jericho, that God, they, they, he, he was basing the relationship or the value of what he was bringing to the table in the area of trusting him because they had already pre-trusted in God the Father. All the other things he said rested on those words, now trust in me. As a matter of fact, with the spirit that's moving through me right now, I could have just preached those words right there. Now trust in me. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay on track. But I just, I'm just, now trust in me. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you, you've trusted me, I'm going to go with it. You've trusted me <laughs> through many dangers, toils, and snares you have already come. And my grace had brought you safe thus far. Will not my grace then lead you on? Amen? Amen. Now, 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 now trust in me. He goes on to explain some of the reasons and the ways that they can trust him, but he never really moves beyond trust as the thing that will get them through. If you got a neighbor near you, say you got to trust them, got to trust them, got to trust them. Got to, you got to trust, you got to trust them. If they, if they sleep and shake them, they need to know you got, you got to trust him, right? But trust, trust is a process. It doesn't just come easily. Both, some of you who know me know that my verse that I stand on, uh, uh, really I stand on, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Ask God for what you want. Thank him for what he's already done. And if you do, he will give you a peace that surpasses human comprehension as he guards your heart and your mind. I use that verse every single day because there's so many things that come into my life that can lead to me worrying. Yeah, that I, I can't help but start to worry, but then I remember. Don't worry. Start to pray instead. Yes. And, and this verse tells us not to worry, but to pray. And I find the focus here interesting. It doesn't say that if you don't worry but pray, God will instantly change all of your circumstances so there's nothing left to worry about. Because that's usually what we're praying for. See, that's not trust. That's kind of like faith. And faith is necessary. And sometimes God will miraculously change your circumstances circumstances can I get a witness yeah sometimes he changes your circumstances one day you're there in the crack house saying God please help me to put this down and the next thing you know you're at teen challenge praise Jesus I'm talking about be you step out of the detox and next thing you know you're stepping into a place of faith with everything provided for you from the first meal of the morning all the way to the last meal of the night and a snack if you want one. And don't worry, you don't even have to do your own laundry. We're going to do your laundry for you. And you don't, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into to all of the benefits, but I'm just saying to step out of the nothingness that I came from into a place where the everythingness of my need were being met, not just in the spiritual aspect that I so desired the strength to get to um, overcome these things, but in all of the, uh, the, the tactical, the tactile needs, the, the physical needs, my food, my clothing, my shelter. How many of you came here with a little bag and now you got like two, three, three, four? I see you come and I see you go, <laughs> right? You come here like with a, 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 a paper bag and you lift four plastic bags in a van to get out of here. And I'm not talking about we take you to the store every week. We're talking about they just appear. I didn't know. What a blessed place this is, Pastor. I think I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying, right? I ain't going nowhere, right? Now, 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 listen. If, if, if everything changed when we prayed, then when Jesus prayed in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, then, then God would have just said, okay, I'll make another way. You don't have to go to the cross. Let's do it different. But we know that isn't what happened, right? 
There was no change in Jesus' circumstances because of that prayer, and yet that prayer was effective and fervent because it came from a righteous man. Instead, I believe it was that prayer and in that prayer that Jesus found the strength to do what was necessary to go through what God needed him to go through to fulfill his purpose. See, some of us are running from the very thing that we're in that God allowed us to be in to develop the kind of character necessary, the kind of I think it's called perseverance in one of the verses that if we count these trials as joy, because we know that the testing of our faith develops this perseverance because God knows that during these trying times that are coming upon us, that if you can't persevere, you will not survive. I will not survive. We will not survive. It was the trust in his father that let him say the words, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And next thing we know, he's on his way to the cross, meaning that God's will for him was that. How few of us want to deny self, take up the cross, and truly follow? Because as soon as we pray for relief, and God answers, no, you have to go through this, we be like, okay, I got another solution. <laughs> I got a way that is better for both of us, God. I'll have my will, and you'll bless it, right? I know, only me. I believe it was the nevertheless statement that showed the power of the peace that he had in trusting his God, his father. Trust and faith, they are really kind of similar words, and sometimes they're even treated like a synonyms of one another, but they're a good distance apart. Faith is what moves a mountain or calms a raging storm, and what I find more spectacular than Jesus calming the storm was the calm that he had during the storm that allowed him to be fast asleep in his powerful peace while the, state, while the storm raged on all around him. That, that was what was spectacular about that to me, that the fact that he could have calmed the storm at any given moment, but was such at peace that he just let the storm do what the storm was going to do because it wasn't going to do nothing to stop him from fulfilling his purpose. Amen. That is like so cool of things to learn. Now, now listen, faith can change things. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In their situation, their faith said, our God, we won't bow down because our God can deliver us. Uh-huh. Yes. That's what their faith said, right? Yes. But their trust said, even if he doesn't, huh? Can you pray that kind of prayer? Can you make that kind of declaration? God, you can deliver me out of this. God, you can change this situation. God, you can lift me up and push me out. God, you can. But even if you don't, I'm going to trust that if you brought me to it, you're going to bring me 
through it. Amen? Even if the other side is with you. Wow, what a... I think I'm in a win-win kind of situation there, right? If, 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 if I live, I win. And if I die, I win. Amen. <laughs> to be absent from the body is going to be present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. See, but, but the thing about it is, is that Jesus, uh, Isaiah, I think Isaiah the, the prophet said in uh, 26 and 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's why I like this corporate fasting day thing, right? Because it's kind of like, um, not I'm not going to say like even if I don't want to, but to fit in. <laughs> to, to be obedient and submissive and humble before my leadership, I'm put in a position where I'm going to fast. And since I'm going to be hungry, I might as well just not make it something that I got to get through. Why not let the hunger do its job and let me know that my spirit is hungrier? And that if I can hear my spirit grumble, he would be like, oh, man, feed me. I'm soon about to pass out over here. And I would start stuffing spiritual food just like a, when we break this fast today. We're going to run to some of you already have your meals on speed dial. One second after 12, I'm feeding this flesh of mine. I will not deny it. Oh, if only we did just. I can't wait to feed my spirit. So hungry. Jesus. See, the, the thing with trust is levels, right? Some of us are from the street a little something, something. And there's dudes that I'm with, but I don't trust them. There's dudes I won't let go cop for me. Nope. <laughs> I'm not waiting. I'm walking with you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know the one I'm talking. You can don't don't do it. You'll be you will be beat. You will be you you know him, but you don't trust him. And some of us are like that with God. We have these different places where, mm, yeah, but. I'll trust you in church. I'll, 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 <laughs> but after that, <laughs> I don't know you like that. Uh, yeah, be, I, I don't trust you because I don't know you like that. And I want you to think of the places in your life where you're right there with God. I trust you, but I don't know you like that. I'm not sure about you here. And I know we, we Christians and we saved and stuff, and we don't want to be truthful about it, but the Lord knows my heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he knows the level of trust you have for him. And he tries to get you to level up by putting you in situations that demand trust. Philippians 1 and 6, be confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you is faithful 
to complete it even until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus didn't just give them some abstract concept of trust and say, okay, trust me, all right? He knew that even if his disciples could trust him, that it would be a limited trust. So he gave them some more to go on. He explained further to them so they could see the reasons why they could trust him, why their trust wouldn't be placed in vain. And from these specific answers to that specific troublesome time, we can glean some truths that will help us to put our trust in God during these uncertain and troublesome times. And I'm going to bring four points to you, and then I'm going to get out of your way. Amen? Yes. Powerful peace. Point number one is that powerful peace knows that God is in control. God is in control. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, it would have been easy to forget that God was in control. It may have looked very much like the Roman government or the Jewish leaders were the ones in control. It may have seemed that Satan had successfully thwarted the plan of God. Don't forget that the disciples' idea of the Messiah was that he was going to create a political kingdom in Jerusalem, overthrowing the Roman government, and the death of Jesus did not fit into that plan. But Jesus explained to them that it was all part of God's plan. Satan may have thought it was his idea to crucify Jesus, but he was really just playing right into God's plans. Jesus explained that he had to leave them, but it was for good reason. It was only if he left that he could prepare a place for them. In fact, it was only by his death and resurrection that we would even be able to get to heaven in the first place. Many times in our lives, the situations may seem hopeless. We may even question, where is God in all of this? We may wonder how anything good can possibly come from our situation. But our Bible tells us from Romans 8, 28, that we know, there's that word again, that we know that God causes, somebody say he causes it. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He causes everything to work together. It's not supposed to work together, but he's got the power and the authority to cause it to work together. How else could you being between a mountain and a sea and uh, uh, attacking army coming to get you unless he caused something to work together. See, the cause part was that he caused molecules in water that at his command to split open so that dry land could be found where there was ocean prior to that because he has the power to cause it to happen. Yeah, he has the power to cause it to happen. He is in control of nature. He caused the storm to stop. Storms don't just stop until they're over with, but he intervened and caused it to happen. Pastor Paul said a little bit early in his encouraging word to get us started up here that God chose to say, you know what? I am going to recklessly love you. 
I'm going to come and get you where you are like you are, and I'm going to stay with you and pull you through it to the other side so that you can stay with me forever. Wonderful, wonderful, reckless God that we serve. Listen, you can trust God because he assures you that whatever it is you're going through, he's not making it up as he goes. It is part of a plan. It is plan of a, a part of a process. It's not for evil to do you harm. It is for good. Do you know that most of the pain in our life is the parts of our life that need to be attended to with that amount of attention so that we can change? I was speaking to a brother the other day, Pastor, and he was talking about this area of his life, that every time it comes up, it's time to run and leave. And I was trying to minister to him from the idea of the fire, the gold, and the dross being brought to the top, and that it's not meant for it to turn the fire down so it sinks back in. It's meant for that fire to bring it to the top and take it off so that the gold can shine up underneath. Amen? What we do is we turn the fire down. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not touching it. Mm -mm, that's okay. I'll stay just like this. I prefer the pain I know versus the freedom I don't. I prefer the pain. I, I got to write that one. Could you write that one down for me so I can? I'm going to preach that one. Yeah. I prefer the pain I know versus the freedom that I don't. Mm -mm -mm. God says, trust my power to turn it into good. You may see it someday or you may never recognize it, but good will come. And if you don't get bitter, you will get better. Amen. I'm going to tell you, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 to 10, you don't have to read it. It's about Paul getting into that hardship where he called it a thorn in his flesh. And he specifically said that it was a messenger of Satan. And yet, when he prayed about it, he discovered that God said, no, I'm not going to remove it. I am allowing it because he is serving my purpose. And Paul's trust was revealed when he said, since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite content with my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. See, we may never see why, but you can have powerful peace trusting that God will use it for his good, powerful peace equals knowing God is in control. Amen? The second one is that powerful peace knows this, that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And it came to pass. It did not come to stay. Amen? See, see the, the second way that Jesus reassured his disciples was his promise that it wouldn't last forever. He said, I'm going away, but I'll be back to get you. The fact is that God's promises that whatever trials you have to go through, they won't last forever. We have a saying, us human beings, that all good things must come to an end. But our Christianity says all bad things must come to an end. It's going to get good. Amen. It's going to get real good. Because what? God is good when? All the time and 
all the time. Yeah, God is shake him, shake him all the time. God is good. <laughs> Jesus knew that his disciples couldn't survive the turmoil that was ahead forever, but he was able to promise them that there may be storm clouds ahead, but there will be sunshine on the other side. It was David in the Psalms that said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And you may feel like your circumstances will never change. You may feel that you've entered the never-ending valley of the shadow of death. In fact, I don't know your situations, but someone here could very well feel like it's the end of their world, but Jesus promises you that your trials will not last forever. This too shall pass. Don't make a decision based on a temporary situation and make a permanent solution to it. That's like warming up your house by setting it on fire. <laughs> that, that's a bad one. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 talks about that there is no temptation known to man except for that which is common to man, right? But with the temptation, God also will provide. Oh, God is a way maker. And I don't believe this means only the temptation to sin. Sometimes it means the temptation to give up, the temptation to walk away, the temptation to disbelieve, the temptation to be aggravated, the temptation to react in anger, the, the temptation to just not go all the way through with what you began. I believe that this pertains to every kind of trial the enemy can put you through. You may not yet see the light at the end of the table, Tubble, you may, table, tubble, table, tubble, tunnel, that place, yeah. You may not see any hope at all, but you can trust God's word when he says that you can endure it because he knows you are tough enough to be tested. You see, this is the thing. This is the thing. Listen to this. Listen, check this out. We don't know how strong we are. Because we will never put ourselves in the position to get through the comfort zone to see the strength that we have. And God places us in these positions where his glory and his power can rise up in us because of the weight of the situation. And he will show us that I built you a little bit tougher than you think. Amen. We're tough people. And I'm talking specifically to the people sitting in. Do you know? Do you remember? Is it so far away? Did you forget what we came through to get here? Huh? How many needle? Do you know what we made, made it through to be here? God wanted us to live. He wants us alive now. He took you through all of that so you would trust him now. I'm the God that made you not overdose. I'm the God that let the judge say not guilty. I am the one that declared he shall live and not die. Because you've got purpose to fulfill. You've got destiny to complete. He never starts something he doesn't finish. Amen? See, listen, 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 listen. Let me, let me get to this. You may, you may feel like your circumstances will never change. Amen? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But your trials won't last forever. 
Yeah, here on earth, he will make a way for you. Here on earth, he will make a way for you because God is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in that God is the God I'm talking about, right? The song we sing, that God, right? Way maker, when you need a way, right? Promise keeper, do you know the promises he's going to keep for you? I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you will be also. I promise I'm coming back for you. He's not like the dude you couldn't trust to go cop. He's coming back. <laughs> He's coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, sometimes it's hard to trust because of our association with trusting here on earth. There's nothing you can trust on on earth. That's why it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Your understanding of what? Your understanding of what trust is. Hallelujah. Your understanding of what trust is is what you can't lean on. That's why you have to trust in the Lord with everything that you got because his ways are different than our ways. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. What he says is yes and amen. If he declares such a thing, it is declared in eternity and it shall come to pass. Our ultimate release is going to come when he returns to get us like he promised. It is called our blessed hope in our doctrinal statement. He'll take us out of the grip of this world and its troubles forever. That's why he says, do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season. You shall come out of it. And at that time, every unfair trial and circumstance will seem like, what was that? You ever get through something and you, it was really, really hard? And then you look back and wonder, like, but it did turn out okay. Why, all of that time I spent worrying and aggravating folks and calling pastor in the middle of the night and messing up his sleep and stuff. I could have just been chilling, like, because it was going to be. Does anybody here other than me have proof that it's going to be all right? Hasn't it been all right? <laughs> Hasn't it been all right? I mean, look back over your life. Hasn't it been all right? I know you thought you was going to die, but you didn't. <laughs> huh? You didn't. I bet you thought you wasn't going to make it, but you did. Here we are. Hallelujah. See, if we get real with the real, because real recognize real, we'll recognize that we serve a real God for the real us in the real situations, in the real time, for the real success that he has in store for us. He real. For real, for real. Real. Hallelujah. Listen, here on earth, he'll make a way for you. Job was put through terrible trials, as we know. He was rich at first, and then he lost all his possessions, lost his cattle, his house, and his children. But his powerful peace made him declare, the Lord giveth, but then the Lord taketh away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether I got it or I, he's the one who gave it to me, it's his to take away. If he takes it away from me, I don't need it. Some of us are trying to get back stuff that got you in trouble. I'm going to get back that. It was the job and the pressure of working it that got you to the point of breaking, and you want it back. That, that, 
that, <laughs> that relationship. Mm, you want it back. That money, I want it back. If you get it back, you go back. God is taking you forward into a new episode of life. He's, he wants to sustain you with the things that those things cannot compare to. He, that's why he said don't store up here, store up there. Because stuff can get messed up down here. Stuff can get messed up. Stuff can get stolen. Moths can eat it. Rust can get to it. That's what it says. But he says if you put it where your, your because wherever your heart is, that's your treasure is. Something like that. Where your heart, that's where your treasure is. Uh, love not the things of the world, nor the things in this world, because all that's in this world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eye. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it, God. He's talking to me like right now in this. He says, he says Job said, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that he will stand upon the earth at last. Job knew that no matter what he was going through now, he could endure it because it wouldn't last forever. As surely as his problem existed was proof that the answer to the problem also existed. And one day, his vindicator would stand triumphant. Job had powerful peace. Because he knew that this too shall pass, that God is in control. Amen? Jesus confronted his disciples with this statement. John 14, 4 to 6. Now that the disciples didn't even think they knew how to get to where he was talking about. They didn't think that they knew the way out of their coming trials. But Jesus explained that they knew him and he was the way. See, powerful peace. Number three is knowing we have all that we need. So many times when we're in the story times, it seems that something is missing, right? And I have to do something about it. I have to get something. But Jesus said, you have everything you need as long as you know me. And I'd like to briefly mention that he's not talking about knowing about him. He's talking about something beyond book knowledge of him, for even the demons believe that and tremble. Um, what he's talking about is, is know in that intimate way that's usually termed for sexuality, but he's talking about intimacy with him in a can't be disconnected kind of way where the two become as one and abide in one another. He's talking about the way a husband knows his wife and vice versa. And this kind of intimacy, intimacy only happens when you spend time and long for companionship. It's not going to happen any other way. Try that with the girl of your dreams, and she will stay just that, a girl of your dreams. You, you don't spend no time. You don't spend no time. There's no relationship. Anyone you want to have a relationship with, time is involved. Mm -hmm. What do you spend your time with? It's amazing. I got to go here. <laughs> it's amazing. I just did a little research the other day on a new addiction, cell phone addiction. It's real. Like people are having to go to psychotherapy and stuff now. They're actually coming up with new uses for Prozac and prednisone and those stuff to deal with social media addiction. It's like soon they'll be coming through our doors I can't put down my cell phone. 
I need to know what they posted on my Facebook page. Oh. <laughs> I'm so bad. I know, but it's good. That's good. That's good. You see, because if your real friendship with the living Savior of this world, it's personal, intimate relationship with Christ, it'll get you through the real hard times. Your Facebook friends will not. They won't get you through your real hard times. Your real friends won't get you through your real hard times, much less your Facebook friends, much less them right? All those intimate stuff and stuff that you're sharing with them and time that you're staying up two, three in the morning. What's that thing? Uh, FaceTiming, Facebook's FaceTime, you know, and and wow, what if you spent that time with God? What would happen to your life? What if you'd long to end your day so that you can shut yourself in and pull the covers up over and pull out your Bible and start to look into the word and let the light shine and, and don't worry if you bother your roommates they're just gonna have to handle it because I'm spending time with the one I love see real friendship with the living savior of the world is this if you can praise your Jesus in the kitchen when there ain't no food, you got a real relationship with God. You trust him. Amen. If you can praise God when you go into the closet and you don't have enough clothes to wear for the Sunday dinner and you can praise him. If you can praise him in the good times, like you in the bad times, like you praise him in the good times. If you can praise him when you have plenty and praise him when you have not. If you can praise him when you're in good health and praise him when you're in bad health. If you can praise him when she's with you and praise him when she leaves you. If you can praise him through the times of and the vicissitudes and the ups and downs of life, but it doesn't change the level of your praise, then you have powerful peace. Then you have the powerful peace that's necessary. Let me turn to the example of Paul with the thorn in his flesh. We see that he said all the powerful peace he needed to go through the trial to endure through his hardship was the grace of God. And that's where I want to wrap this up with the thought. It's the grace of God. You see, if our doing got it done, then it wouldn't have got did. Because it couldn't be done by anything we do. It all got, it is by grace we have been saved through faith, that not of ourselves, so that no one can boast. I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Amen? And as I speak these words into your hearing, he said that Paul wanted him to know that my grace is sufficient for you. God is in control. This too shall pass, and we have what we need. Powerful piece number four and last is that we are not alone. Amen. How many of you felt the loneliness? Uh, well, you, uh, I, I beg to differ. Like, you're, you're alone. You, no. <laughs> it had to be the one that was really alone that's going to raise his hand. But that's, that's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're not alone. And you should have joy because of that. We should be laughing freely because I am not alone. I've got a gang. <laughs> I'm never alone. It may look like I'm surrounded. <laughs> Don't you believe that? <laughs> Don't you believe that? The final assurance, and I think the greatest and most powerful, Jesus was about to leave his disciples. They'd known his presence for three and a half years, and surely the thought of him leaving would make anybody anxious, but he promised that he would not abandon them. He'd spent these years ministering to them, and he said, I'm not going to leave you. Instead, he promises that he will send another Greek paraclete. Jesus promised them that even though he himself had to go, he would send another. He would send the Holy Spirit to them. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't be limited to time and space like Jesus was. Imagine if Jesus was still here and not the Holy Spirit. If you think you're waiting a long time to get your appointment at the doctor now, <laughs> the wait on Jesus is, is much, much longer. Amen? But now we have the Holy Spirit present everywhere at once in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this has made it possible because Jesus left the earth. One of the last things Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth was the Great Commission. And right at the end, Jesus said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then right after that, he ascended into heaven. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you said you was going to stay, and now you're gone. I don't understand it. But he's leaving us. But the fact is that it was right after he left that the Holy Spirit came. Book of Acts, he came. And the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. And it is who he who is the very presence of Christ here on earth. The presence of Christ is no longer limited by space and time. But the Christ is still very present on earth and very present in your life. Amen? They, they may be times when it's going to get rough and we're tempted to think that God has abandoned us just because we don't see him or feel like him right now. But as the scripture says in Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, powerful peace is yours and mine. God is not a knower of persons. If he did it for anyone else, he will do it for you. So, Lord... I, I want you to proclaim right now that, Lord, I want the powerful peace of Job, the powerful peace of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Moses, Caleb, Joshua, Nehemiah, David, Solomon, Joseph, Mary, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, and Silas, John the Revelator, Alex, Pastor Paul. I want the peace that surpasses human comprehension that I see in my fellow's brethren as they go through things. They go through things, but they do not let go of Jesus. That is the great testimony. Stop praying during this season, this time that we're in for things to stop. The Bible says it's not. It's not going to get better from here. It is going to get worse. So bad that it has never been that bad before. And if you want it to stop, that means you don't want Jesus to come. But pray that we rise up and take the focus off of our selfishness and start looking toward pulling them into the kingdom so that they too might be saved. 
That's all we're here to do, that they too might be saved. Staff, interns, they too might be saved. We are the ark for this situation in their lives. And we're to pull them in, get them dried up, and let them get to the edge of the boat and help pull the and help to pull the people back in. We have to change our whole focus. It is not about us. We're saved. We're on the good ship. We're, it's, we're, we're good. We're good. It's our brother that's over there in worry. It's our brother that's over there in despair that just came in the door in guilt and shame with the accuser of the brethren on his shoulder that needs our loving arms to hold them, our attention focused on them. You can't have your focus on your phone and your focus on the students. You can't. Unless you're ministering to them out of something there, and most of the time we're not, we can do better here. We can do better here. We can do better here. It's one of the places that we can just do better. We don't even need the power of the Holy Ghost to do it. It's a choice we make. And we can make better choices if our attention is to do the work of the ministry, teen challenge ministry, this soul-saving, life-changing thing that we got by God. Listen to this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. When the night has come, and the land is dark, and the moon is the only light I see. No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't be afraid. Just as long as he stands, stands by me. So Jesus, Jesus stands by me whoa he stands by me he stands by me he stands by me stands by me if the sky that we look upon should crumble and fall or the mountains should tumble to the sea tell your neighbor i won't cry I won't cry, I won't cry, no, I won't shed a tear just as long as he stands, stands by me. So Jesus, Jesus stands by me, whoa, he stands by me, he stands by me. He stands by me, stands by me. I said, whenever I'm in trouble, Jesus stands by me. Whoa, he stands by me. He stands by me. He stands by me, stands by me. 
And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. For the sun is what caused the shadow. He's right there. All you have to do is change your focus. Peace.